everyone and welcome to We Watch Bad Films, the podcast where we watch bad films so you don't have to. And believe me, you don't want to watch this one, I don't think. Um, with me is Jay. Good day to you. Me is Gary as well. I didn't say that because I'm not very good at this job. Um, marvellous, marvellous, marvellous. So we usually get together and talk about a bad film, um, uh, which we have pre-watched. Often you tell me during the show, but we have pre-watched it this time. Um, which is why I'm putting it off, talking about it as long as possible. And you guys who've clicked on the link already know what it is. But to pr- to put off put that off as much as possible, Jay. Is there something, some other film you wanted to talk about beforehand? Um, at the weekend, um, which is a meaningless statement, depending on when you listen to this, um, I saw a film called I See You, which is 2019. And starring no one, really, apart from Helen Hunt, if you remember Helen Hunt. I do. It doesn't matter, but if you don't know who Helen Hunt is, it doesn't really make it any odds to the film. I will say a lot of the reviews of this film from users that I've read were about, yeah, great film, but was kind of distracted by Helen Hunt's weird face. And (laughs) I do agree. Um, (laughs) It's like I was watching... Two films. I was watching I See You and I was watching I See Helen Hunt's Face. Um, for the for the lovely audio medium that we have, what's so weird about her face? Okay, Google um, the film Mask, uh, starring Cher, and and the lead uh, the lead character. That's the sort of face. Okay, as Eric Stoltz, face... isn't it? Supposed to be Eric Martin. Stoltz, yeah. Was going to be Marty McFly. Yes. Well, we're geeks, Gary. You know, you, you've watched Deep Space Nine. OK, what's the name of the alien as pa- who's part of the crew who's got a face like a load of plasticine? Do you mean Odo? Odo, yeah. She looks it's like Odo. Odo Rene Aubergine. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're thinking, basically, she's had a lot of work done and the, the work has failed. <laughs> so she's she wanders around this film <laughs> like some sort of mannequin. Anyway, the film is good. Um... Well, I say good. It's good for uh, what it is. I wasn't expecting very much, and uh, I was quite, quite surprised. It was. It's basically um, two parts. The first part is the family who have all these strange sounds and occurrences happening in their house, and the second part is all of those previous things that you've seen from someone else's point of view and it makes you think "Ooh, that's about all i can say really because it is spoiler heavy and if i explain any more it will sort of ruin the whole setup of the film but i think it is worth seeing I, i've never heard of it before 2019 i see you as in the words not the letters yes i've just looked it up and i see what you mean about helen hunt's face but do you mean that you know, this is a safe space. Let's not focus on that. That's not fair. Um, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, so a thorough recommendation there. Um, it's kind of horror-y, is it? Um, I would say I would say th- there's thrills in it, but I'm not going to say any more because that will start explaining to you what the genre is or isn't, and I don't want to mm. say that. But I think it's worth watching. Um, it's quite clever. It's not amazing. There's a few parts of it where you thought, mm, with a bit with a different director or a bit more pizzazz, this could have been supremely good. 
So, Jay, it's no surprise to everyone, but what are we watching this week? We are watching Citizen Kane. Mm. Not really. Okay. Not really. Um, yeah, you and the rest of the listeners know that we are lis- we're watching Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, but not the most recent Dungeons and Dragons. Although uh, I haven't read any reviews for that, but I have a suspicion it might end up in this podcast just from the trailers alone. <laughs> I, I have seen the trailer. And our oh, poor old Dungeons and Dragons. This is the third film based on that intellectual property. And oh dear. No, we are watching Dungeons and Dragons from the year 2000. That's not the title. That's the year it was released. Indeed, but I think now it has to be known as D&D 2000 to separate it from the others. Yeah. Well, regardless, let's not pre-review the review. So why don't um, you schmucks go listen to a trailer for it, and then Jay and I will talk about uh, what we watched on the other side. Twisted magic experiment gone seriously wrong. Have threatened to conquer a kingdom. What can I do to stop Profion? If you can obtain the Rod of Savril, you could control red dragons. I suggest we lay low, let the whole thing blow over, come back, rob everybody. There's one small problem. Problem? I kind of committed us to find it. Let the blood rain from Asgard! Trust me. this task alone. You know, I love the way you track. Rocket Marina, you get the map. How you get the girl and I get a map? We gotta work out some new plans. I want them found. Do you really think you can steal my destiny? Be careful. You too. So that was Dungeons and Dragons from the year 2000, um, featuring both Dungeons and Dragons, thankfully. Um, I think it has a plot, something about going to find a rod, um, rod of Jimmy Savile or something. Um, And uh, Rod of Stewart. There was was some diversions and some fightings. It was completely incoherent, though. So, I mean, I, I even 
immediately finished watching the film, went on IMDb to read the storyline synopsis, which I should add is provided by Wizards of the Coast. It's not a nobody. And I don't remember any of it. So, um, it, yeah. So it's got a plot, but it, it really doesn't matter. Where do you want to start with this film? Other than saying it is a stinker. <laughs> let's 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 ease ourselves into this one, right? Is there anything that you liked about this film? Is there anything oh, that, positive you can say about it? That's not fair. So yes, there is something I like. Two things I liked about this film. Okay, one, about three quarters of the way through, they have a, a skeleton that is neither CG nor stop motion. He's done the old-fashioned puppeteering way, and I quite enjoyed him. He's on screen for about 20 seconds. I thought, oh, that's good. I like that. Um, yeah, nice good. practical effect. It looked effective, that. Mm, yeah, it looked good. It was very, very 80s, and I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I liked was the only person in the entire cast who knew what they were doing and got it. And I, I know who you're going to say. Was, I know I'm... who you're going to say. <laughs> who was playing it. Exactly correctly. And that was Richard O'Brien. Of course. I've actually written down Richard O'Brien, actually not bad in brackets. <laughs> That's because he's just camp enough, just panto enough. But in his eyes, he's like, yeah, I'm going for it, man. Just try and stop me. But that's how Richard O'Brien plays everything, which is you know, great. Do you know he's in his 80s now, Richard O'Brien? He's in his 80s. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Explain who Richard O'Brien is, Gary. No, uh, which means he was in his very late 50s when he recorded this. Very late 50s. Um, So Richard O'Brien, most famous around the world for the creator, actor, director, composer for the Rocky Horror Picture Show musical film thing, which is just entering its 50th anniversary, by the way. Uh, uh, Also known quite well if you're mid to late mid 30s to early 40s in the UK for hosting the crystal maze um a uk yeah that wasn't very good joke considering you've got a part career as a musician the crystal maze was a game show um where you just did a load of challenges one after another in your team, you collect crystals at the end. And he reprised his role on this show by being in, ch- in charge of a maze that had some MacGuffin in the middle of it. I can't remember what. And again, he just completely overacts in the right possible way. Have you ever heard of the Antius Guild maze? Of course. Every thief has heard of it. Wonderful. Well, then you'll know that the Eye of the Dragon is the prize at the centre of my guild maze, won't you? Yeah, it's almost as if the directors knew who he was and and cast him just because he's in charge of mazes as a day job. Um, Another person who pops up and would be famous particularly for Brits of a certain age is Tom Baker. Oh, yes, of course. Who, again, yes, you are right. Actually, he's playing it just right, too. He's playing it with... Um, complete seriousness down the line. This was just ahead of his sort of um, revival, wasn't it? When he was reused in things like Little Britain. Yeah. And became a sort of, uh, he sort of rebirthed into the culture again. Um, A very amusing uh, doctor from Doctor Who many, many years ago. 
he's the fourth or the fifth doctor anyway he, he's he's very well known in the uk but he's literally in it for in this film for one scene and he's wearing elf ears and it's all beneath him quite frankly um i just want to say that something good about this film it's actually quite before its time in its diverse casting um uh, oh, men yeah, women yeah. people from different um different ethnicities i thought that was quite interesting um that's it <laughs> everything else is rubbish yeah yeah it it is um you know from top to bottom the whole thing is a complete waste of everyone's time including you for listening to this now because <laughs> oh my god the acting throughout is so poor so very poor it feels like and this is sort of a damning with faint praise I guess like a Disney Channel movie it's got that kind of sheen and that gloss and that sort of musical theatre type feel to it yeah it's a bit like Glee in Middle Earth or something um, or High School Musical it's, it, yeah, yeah High School Musical is what I was thinking of when I was doing this but also some of those unbranded Disney Channel movies that you get do you mean like um, Can of Worms or something like that Oh, can of worms. Good callback. Good callback. Back to I think season one, uh, season two of We Watch Bad Films with special guest Nick. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And this was along the same lines. I and, just uh, want to say, acting, what what for me makes it made it look like what you're explaining is how cheap everything is and how cheap it looks. Um, I think the lighting is terrible. It's everything is so brightly lit. It's like we're in some sort of supermarket. Uh, instead of dungeons and castles and i was thinking god the cinematography is so bad and then i looked up who the cinematographer is and his most famous film was robin hood prince of thieves (sighs) and his name is doug milsom name and shame it does actually look quite a lot like robin hood prince of thieves now i think about it though that's a much more enjoyable film yes uh, and, and I started to uh, I started to think, oh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, yeah, that does look a bit silly, doesn't it? That film. And then I looked at the rest of Doug Milsom's CV, <laughs> and it is budget unheard of. Budget unheard of. Budget unheard of. He's done about thirty of these terrible films, but he was he did the cinematography for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I wish we'd have been watching that. Quite frankly, it it needed someone, uh, you know, like maybe not Kevin Costner, but um, who played Snape. You needed him in it. Alan Rickman. Yes, Alan Rickman. Um, yeah, it looks terrible. Um, so talking of Alan Rickman, who we don't have, who do we have instead as the main villain, Gary? Well, uh, Sir Jeremy of Irons. Jeremy the, the Ironing. The Ironing Man. With the Dragon Army at my command, I can crush the Empress and control what is right for me. I was thinking, I was thinking, I was watching Jeremy Irons play this character. I can't remember the character's name, don't care. Um, He's ostensibly the main character, although his his sidekick is actually in the film more than Jeremy Irons. But Jeremy Irons, I was watching him chew through the scenery and I was thinking, oh, is Jeremy Irons actually a good actor? Because this is terrible. And I'm starting to think maybe he's not that good generally speaking what do you think gary well he's very good in um 
House of Gucci. Yeah, Je- yeah, Jeremy Irons. Yeah, he's he's okay in uh, House of Gucci. He's only in a, a couple of scenes, but I mean, he doesn't have the range, darling. The range. Uh, maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Certainly, this film is doing him a disservice. He is so bad in this film, and it's a bit like what you said about Richard O'Brien. He just doesn't know w- w- what to do with this terrible script. I mean, who would really? But it he it seems to have no dimension to his character. It's all just wicked and shouting, and yeah, it's poor. Yeah, I be- I believe he was questioned on it. You know, why did you make this? And he said he just bought a castle, and he had to pay for it. Uh, not a joke. <laughs> uh, yes, his his scenes mostly at the beginning, at the end, pops up occasionally. But you're right, his henchman takes more of the limelight. I'm guessing he was too expensive or too busy to do too many scenes, so they have his lackey do it, who has very dodgy. Um, blue lip gloss which is the only way you can recognize him and gets snakes in his head for another reason <laughs> yeah uh, the makeup in this uh, we'll talk about the, the effects later but the makeup in this film is is really bad um i think partly jeremy irons doesn't come across very well because he just looks like jeremy irons just wearing a dressing gown um this came out just before the lord of the rings who which was also financed by New Line Cinema. Yes, can you imagine the uh, budgeteers at New Line, accountants we usually call them, um, looking at both these properties and thinking, or looking at those properties and going, I wonder if we should uh, actually can this Lord of the Rings business. (laughs) We're just going to show how bad the Lord of the Rings could have been. We were, (laughs) that was a massive bullet dodge. That was a cannonball dodged there. And I kind of thinking it's partly to do with the director. Uh, the director of this is seems to be a terrible director. But also, if you're going to make a fantasy film based on a very well-known intellectual property, throw some money at it. This film I mean, you've got to. Good. It's got to be effects. It's got to be makeup because everyone yeah. just looked like they just had paint on their face. Yeah. Um, or just had a beard stuck on, and it and it just looked like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously that doesn't help the script, but I mean, at least in a film called Dungeons and Dragons, when there are dragons, I want them to look like dragons, not like bits of computerized mud flapping around the screen. Yeah, sadly, they went straight for, oh, let's um, CG the dragons. That'll be the cheapest or or the easiest way. And you've really got to blend both. You need a bit of CG for the distance, the flapping and the flying. But I think you need those close-up models to help sell it when it's it's up close Um, and work with it there. I mean, it's worked to great effect in other films, you know, like your Lord of the Rings and, well, Hobbit, really, uh, films. A dragon heart from a similar era, in fact, slightly earlier. I think because it was slightly earlier, couldn't rely on CG to the same extent. I mean, what it's what it's lacking is a nice bit of Harryhausen stop motion. That would have been good. Yes, it would have. Um, been. I mean, what was in the water at the time of of ninety nine two thousand? That fantasy was such a big deal. Um, I wouldn't mind a return to it because I like a bit of high fantasy, a bit of Tolkien esque fantasy. We've got Lord of the Rings. You've got. Harry Potter leaning on a lot of fantasy elements. You've got this and Aragon and, uh, like I said, 
um, Dragonheart. What was uh, going on? Why was fantasy such a big deal at the time? I don't know, but it's the same year as Battlefield Earth, so something went wrong. <laughs> Battlefield Earth? You're just dropping the references to previous episodes today, aren't you? <laughs> Go back. One of my favourite episodes, actually, when we did Battlefield Earth. A lot of fun. Um, unlike the film, you want any lunch? Uh, <laughs> in fact, they should have put they should have put John Travolta in this film as the main villain. That would have that would have I think matched mm. the campness of the uh, of Dungeons and Dragons two thousand. Yeah, it just everything looks so cheap. Let's Not talk only... about the other actors in there. So I mean, you've got Damon Wayans, right? Oh dear, yes, Damon. I've forgotten his character. Oh god, is he, is he called Snails or something like that? I believe you are right. He's he's not. But I'm sorry, it's Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans is in this. Um, he's not bad. He's in the wrong film. Yeah, well, I th- I think probably most of the actors are in the wrong film if they think about it. But um, what's interesting is that at the same time as filming this, he was doing Requiem for a Dream, which is one of my favourite films, really of the last 20, 30 years. Um, bit intense, but extremely well-written, acted, made. And he is really, really good in that. And it's a really good role for him. It's dramatic. There's there's emotional depth to it. Theatrically trained since I was, dramatically cha- trained since I was like seven years old. Like, I know how to act. I just choose to do comedy because it's so much harder. But Requiem, I got to showcase what I, you know, my other skill set. But people know me for comedy. I cannot believe he was literally filming that film at the same time as Dungeons and Dragons 2000, in which he has very little to do other than squeak, squeal, and act like some sort of goofy sidekick. But, yeah, Marlon Wayans comes in and it's a bit like, it's like he's the donkey from Shrek. Who else was stinking out the joint? I know, Thora Birch. Usually quite Ooh. reliable, Thora Birch. Um, and was certainly a very hot actress at the time. You know, she was tipped to be in everything. And um, it gives a very Natalie Portman-like Phantom Menace performance here. Yes! I was thinking that. I've just written down the phrase, Thora Birch is rubbo. Yes, she certainly is. Um, and she appears... Uh, it got. I was proven wrong by the end, but it felt like she was just on the stage by herself with no one else around her for the <laughs> yes. entire film. Yeah, it, you know. Then they show a picture of her later, but it felt like, oh, did, could they not get her at the same time as everyone else? So she's just barking at a, at a camera with no one else in the room. Yeah, wearing a lot of gold. A lot of gold, terrible costume that you can't sit down in or, or probably move. Yeah. In. Her costumes looked all right, actually, throughout the whole <sighs> show. Apart from the one where she's in... Oh, yeah, by the way, um, this film extends to the sets. And I say sets very loosely because they are literally just places that they found in the real world and just thought, yeah, let's film that. It looks looks like a dungeon or something. Um, a lot of Thora Birch's scenes are filmed in what I imagine is meant to be some sort of castle or palace it, it is literally a theater it's a theater yes, the kind it looks of theater, like the globe yeah exactly it looks like any theater where you might see pantomime <laughs> in the uk with gold sort of filigree uh, uh seating and boxes and like red curtains 
Uh, I'll tell you what, did you notice something, Gary? Right at the beginning, when the horrible uh, CGI blob, which they were trying to fob off, fob off as a dragon, did you notice how it died? Sorry, spoilers. What? No. Go on. Well, right at the beginning, Gary, the um, the main villain, played by Jeremy Irons, kills the dragon by allowing the dragon to walk through a huge doorway, and then all of a sudden, a big portcullis-type door crashes down on its head and kills it. Mm, where have we seen this before? Um, possibly the Rancor scene in Return of the Jedi. Yes, well, you know, originality is the least of this thing's crimes. I mean, you're going to go with Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, like you say, it's it's not done. It's not been a property treated well because it's not a property that uh, has its own stories. I mean, it does with the sort of Dragonlance books, etc. But the whole point is, you're supposed to create your own stories with the in, with the tools provided. Um, other than the, it's a Dungeons and Dragons ride, which we've covered before in a previous episode. That's our third callback already. And this isn't a patch on the cartoon. I'd go and watch the cartoon over this. Hey, look! The Dungeons and Dragons ride! Yeah, the problem with Dungeons and Dragons as an IP is it's a world. But in order to tell a narrative through that, you need to have characters. And I suppose that's how the 80s cartoon did it, is that they chose some characters and then plonked them in this world in an anachronistic way. And that was meant to be, because they were meant to be from the modern day and then they were plonked into this strange world. And then this mm. sort of, the audience follows them through this strange world and... Fish out of water type thing. But what I found anachronistic about this film is that all the characters just sort of wandering around talking as if it was the year 2000 and looking yes. like it was in the 2000 uh, it's just like, there aren't any characters and so i hope the new dungeons and dragons film does that side of it a little bit better i mean it can't do it much worse yeah you're sort of making me tempted to go and see it and i don't know why <laughs> i don't know if i am did you pick up any decent quotes in this film gary well, back to our old chum Tom Baker, who said, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring out dust off the impression here. We do not require spells; we are magic. <laughs> Don't know what it means. Don't know what it means. Um, um, I mean, you can take the whole script because it's also po-faced. And... There's a, there's a there's a good bit. I say good in the loosest sense of the term. Good, um, right at the end. The last 15 minutes, which is basically just dragon CGI apocalypse. It just looks yes. so ugly. Uh, there's a part where <laughs> Jeremy Irons is casting a spell and he just rattles off this shouted gibberish for a, what feels like about five minutes. But not the Terrible, terrible, terrible. But basically, I couldn't think of any other decent quotes from this film. The script is that bad. Yeah, I mean, because none of the script is any good. It means none of the script works at all. I just wanted to say one thing about this. They spend quite a long time near the beginning, which is okay, in a tavern, um, which <sighs> is pretty standard D&D fare. You go to the tavern to pick up your next quest, and it's pretty uh, established uh, 
story beat. But how big was that bloody tavern? Because there's one part where they're sort of eyeing up the elf on the ground floor. So it's cavernous as it's as already. They've got multiple levels and a mezzanine. The mezzanine has a fireplace in it with a light <laughs> lit fire. I'm like, why have you got lit fires upstairs on a mezzanine? That's a terrible idea in a wood-based building. <laughs> you needed to be on set, Gary, to sort of tell them these things. I mean, it's probably where they kept the CGI dragons, isn't it? In the massive aircraft hangar tavern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not enough barroom fights. Do we want to talk about dwarves? I don't really want to talk about dwarves because dwarves in this not good, <laughs> not good. <laughs> I, I, I all I want to say about the dwarf and the elf in this film is that they basically do absolutely nothing. Am I wrong? Am I wrong there? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think. Why did he? Why did he turn up? I mean, they don't give him a MacGuffin. They don't give him a, a like a, a heroic moment. Do they? Maybe they did and I've forgotten it. I don't know. You know, we're not the only people who thought this was uh, a terrible idea. Allegedly had a budget of $45 million and the worldwide gross was $34 million. So it absolutely tanked. Tanked, tanked, tanked. And they must have been so grateful when Fellowship came out and did a billion quid. Yeah, but I I don't understand. A, where did all that money go? Because it looks terrible. Mm. And it, oh, we've said this a million times, but I just want to just make this clear. If the last 15 minutes of your film is hundreds of dragons flying around a fantasy land, uh, having a massive battle, then you need to allocate loads of money in order for that to not look like a load of poo on the screen. And they didn't. I don't know why anyone said yes to this. Just do a gritty drama set in Boston or something. I don't know. Don't do Dragon Apocalypse, because you don't have the money or the know-how to do it. Oh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Such a shame. So, hmm, will you recommend this film, Jay, to anyone? Mm, let me let me throw the dice and see what luck may fall upon me. Uh, no. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, don't don't even watch it thinking, ha ha, this is a bad film. It's going to be so funny. It's just that it's not fun to watch either. The only way this film could look good is if you probably watched the sequel, which is called Dungeons and Dragons: Wrath of the Dragon God. Never heard of it. Dungeons and Dragons Three: The Book of Vile Darkness. Oh God! No wonder Dungeons and Dragons, as a film IP, went down the toilet. Let's hope the new one is slightly better. I don't hold up much hope. Waste of everybody's time involved. Avoid. <laughs> avoid. Including ours. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you think actually we're we're missing the trick, and it's actually a masterpiece of the modern age, and uh, craps all over Fellowship of the Ring from a great height. In which case, please let us know. Get in touch with us on Twitter at We Watch Bad Films, um, or you know, hang around the comment section of Instagram at We Watch Bad Films. We've also got the YouTube channel, which hosts all these podcasts. Feel free to comment away. You might even be listening to it right now. Add a comment. Tell us how wrong we are. Equally, we get loaded rentals for these films, even for pieces of crap like this. And uh, they all cost money for some reason. So feel free to chuck us a quid or so over at Kofi.com. Link is below in the description. And that would be greatly appreciated. That's all from me. Thank you very much for joining us, Jay. Thank you very much. Cheers all. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
Well, everybody, they're going back to the real world, and uh, I've got to go back and, you know, rake the sand in Aztec world, tuck mummy in in my own little medieval world, and devise a, come up with a few more games for other people to play. <laughs>